Welcome to LTC. Let's pray and we're going to get going. Dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity uh, to come here and just commit ourselves once again to uh, learning how to be a small group leader. God, I pray that you would use uh, just information tonight. I pray that you would provide revelation to our hearts, Father God. I pray that we would catch the vision uh, of, of doing this thing here on campus. We thank you for each one of these students that has presented themselves here tonight, God, and I pray that each one of them would leave with uh, much more than they came here with. Awesome. So I get to talk to you guys tonight about the power of the one-on-one. Uh, you, have you guys heard that term since you've been a part of Outpost? One-on-one? Just never call it. What's a one-on-one? Anybody? Somebody? Rustin, what's a one-on-one? Going, going out to eat with someone and getting to talk to them about God yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, a one-on-one could have been described in any number of other ways, but it's simply you hanging out with somebody else. In the smaller context, it will be somebody of the same sex, interestingly enough. So, obviously, right? We're going to be pursuing people, um, and we're going to be asking them to go hang out with us. Okay, so this is the one-on-one. I like what Zach said. He says, don't ever call it that. And I think I agree with that. You can call it that in like a leadership training context. So we know what you're talking about. But nobody wants to go on one-on-one with you. They might want to hang out with you. But if you get weird about it and call it one-on-one, probably not. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> so there's a really important fellow who's helped to found Chi Alpha. His name's Harvey Herman. And he says this. The ideal discipling model is not either or, but both small group and one-on-one discipleship. So one-on-one is simply a method of discipleship, right? Small group is also a method of discipleship. The large group community is also a method of discipleship. So one-on-one is just one of the ways uh, that we connect with people. And it's a unique way, one that we're going to focus on tonight, about how to pour specifically into somebody, okay? So it's not the only method for discipleship. Everything is, is needed, uh, but, it's, but it's a really important one. So the biblical basis uh, for the one-on-one, let's look there a little bit. John 15, verse 27 says, uh, Jesus said this, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All right, so Jesus wanted uh, the, the disciples that had walked with him to testify of him because they had, they had, they had lived with him. They had been with him, right? Um, discipleship comes from quality and quantity of time spent. The larger community can help create hunger and brotherhood, uh, create support, but one-on-one discipleship is where discipleship begins, you can say. Sometimes... Uh, discipleship begins when some somebody maybe that comes to your small group for the first time. That can't happen. Sometimes discipleship begins when somebody random, perhaps, not even a believer, perhaps, comes to a large group for the first time. But oftentimes, the one-on-one, you interacting with somebody individually, is where discipleship starts. This is one of the reasons that it's so important. In the Bible, we don't see Jesus have many uh, have much one-on-one time per se. Oftentimes he's, he's listed and we read that he's together with all of his disciples or a number of his disciples. But 
Uh, I think the reason that is is because he, he primarily he lived with them. Okay, so when you read the Bible, the context is always he was he was together with them, right? So uh, of course he had some one-on-one uh, times with these guys, but but the way that he did that was that he just was with them so much that those times happened, and also the times together happened, and also the times where they were all ministering to other people happened. Okay, so. They say if you really want to know someone, live with them. <clears throat> what better way for the disciples to give witness to who Jesus was than to actually live with him? And this, this is, is what we're teaching here in LDC. We want to we live life with these folks that we're reaching out to, right? So, so one-on-ones, make sure that they happen, but they will uh, if you're living life with them, all right? Uh, something that I do with my guys is if I've got errands to run, or um, I was getting ready to sell my car uh, last semester, one of my resource guys. We, we had a one-on-one, and I was like, hey man, <laughs> basically nobody else is available. Do you want to help me uh, come wash my car and clean up the engine compartment so I'm getting ready to sell it? We had, we had a one-on-one. We talked about Jesus, kind of brought it up casually. That's another one we'll cover. But one-on-one is just living life together with your people. Um, cool. So, how, how would you say that someone usually uh, gets involved and stays involved with the outpost? How do people usually get involved in your experience? I'd say small group. Okay. Probably personal experience. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else have a different experience? She said small group. Yeah, I can tell you that in my case, which was definitely not necessarily the norm, uh, was seeing somebody get healed and I'd be like, oh, this is legit. Yeah. And then kind of pursuing it. Right. Okay. Cool. Yes. Yeah. The different events that went on and just like staying updated on the Facebook page. Okay. Right on. Cool. Any any other ways that you want to mention? Hanging out with people. Because there are yeah. people I know really well just because they're at my house all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of different ways that people get involved. Typically, and even if you break down some of the ways that you just mentioned, it happens with connecting with a person, right? Sometimes uh, that connection transfers to a group of people pretty quickly, but uh, a lot of people, or most people, I would even say, they connect to somebody, and then they're then they're connected with a lot of other people. Okay, so one-on-ones are important because this is typically the way that people are invited into the larger community. They've got to meet somebody. It starts with one person, and then moves to the next person. So it's really important uh, to invite people into your life because they're not going to be able to uh, experience uh, the loving community that we all have unless we first invite them into our life, right? So we're going to get into some specifics now of of doing one-on-ones and the strategy in that, what to to look for, what to do in there. Um, Like I said, the purpose of one-on-one is discipleship, okay? So another way of kind of describing a one-on-one is that it's an an intentional hangout. It's an intentional hangout. Uh, As a small group leader, uh, you're going to want to be intentional. Things are not going to happen randomly. Uh, I'm not sure what the statistic is, but I've heard personality-wise, whoever came up with this specific stat stated that most people are wired uh, to be to not be initiators. 
Yeah, there's le I, I think the stat that I heard, don't quote me on this, but it's like 20% 20, 20 of people in this particular survey are sort of wired to be an initiator, 80% are wired to be followers. When we are looking for people, we need to remember that they're not usually not gonna hunt us down and come asking us about Jesus and asking us about getting into the community. We're gonna have to be the ones that go for them. <coughs> and we need to make a commitment as leaders that have been called by God to make disciples that, hey, hey listen, even if my personality type is in that 80% of people that are, aren't typically like that, I'm gonna sacrifice that part and I'm gonna go out there and get those people because I know they're not gonna come to me, right? So intentionality is super important in the one-on-one. -on -one. Um, how many of you guys knew that you were having a one-on-one -on -one with your small group leader the first time that you had one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some, some did. This was like six years ago. So. Some did. Some did. You know, uh, thinking, it, thinking of it through the, the lens of intentional hangout, really for the folks that we're having one-on-one ones with, it should just... It should just feel casual. It should feel like a hangout, okay? You're just being with them, you're getting to know them. Again, we're living life with these people, so it's not like a business thing that we're checking off a list. I'm gonna have a one-on-one -on -one with this person. No, you're, you're just hanging out with them, okay? So if that seems pretty intuitive, that's good, because it should be, and continue with that uh, mindset. So also, one-on-one -on -one is more than a peer relationship. You guys know what I mean by that. So when you've got, when you've got just a friend, when you're when you're guys, when you're girls, and you're simply hanging out, and it's just the two of you, I guess you could call that a one-on-one, -on -one, but we're not going to in the leadership context. In the leadership context, a one-on-one -on -one is purposeful. It's intentional. It has an agenda, basically. All right. So it's more than a peer relationship. Um, these these folks that we're going to be reaching out to uh, have lots of peers that will be fun to hang out with, but will never lead them closer to the Lord. We need to be leading them closer to Jesus. Does that make sense? It's not just about messing around. It's about having intentional, having, having purpose with it. Um, we are more than just fun people to hang out with for them. Um, would you describe the role that your small group leader has in your life as more than just a peer? You know, are, they, are they actively imparting things into your life? That's what we want to be like with these students that we're going to be having more. Okay, purposeful, they're intentional. They're also tailored to the individual. Not everyone you're hanging out with uh, hey, I mean, will be a Christian, and not every Christian you hang out with will need the same kind of ministry. So we need to be specific about what these kids like. Okay, I would also suggest that if you've got a person that likes something that you don't like, you, you need to try and learn to like that. You need to ask them uh, to take you to do that with them, rather than, hey, I like to go to coffee. That's a pretty general thing that I guess most people like to do. I'm coming to find out that n not some people like to do that, you know, so they'd rather be asked to do something else. So it's really important for these folks that we outreach to, to find out what they like, find out what they are good at, find out what they like to teach and ask them uh, to do that for you. That's a great way to do one-on-ones. And in doing that, you're gonna honor them, and you're also going to uh, help them know that they're also providing something into the relationship. It's not just you like scheduling everything and doing everything. They're actually contributing to the relationship, and who doesn't like that? 
So purposeful one-on-ones. Um, so next bullet point here, the purpose of one-on-one discipleship, we're going to look at individual teaching versus group teaching. I've got an analogy here. Um, so there's a difference between individual tutoring, for example, and group learning. Um, has anybody here ever been to a private tutor for anything? Yeah, yeah. Kind of a difference between that and learning in a big lecture style classroom, right? What's the difference then? Well, um, you're able to ask more questions. Not yeah. only I, I do a tutor as well, so it's yeah. like, you get asked more questions, you can impart things in different ways, you get to ask things in different ways, and it's more applicational. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, uh, big difference there. Uh, how's it better than group setting? How would you say it was better? Some people just don't learn from lecture, so I mean, other people learn well from sermons. Yeah. Um, most people, I find, sit there and learn need to, quote, pee on the spark plug to really learn something and okay. they really kind of learn the hard way. Or, and yeah. other people just need to have somebody tell them, hey, that's stupid. Yeah. And then, like, after the fact, like, hey, this is a better idea. Or it, it, it kind of depends on the person. But I find that a lot of times it makes it a little bit more personal. Um, yeah. and it makes it a little bit easier to impart information. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the reason why um, <clears throat> teacher-to-student ratio is a big deal it's because uh, it's, it's proven that if there's less distance between the teacher and the person that's, that's learning the material, uh, a lot of times they learn it better. Okay? So one-on-one is for tailored, let's get to know you, let's, let's bring the Bible into your world exactly where you're at, let's, let's pray about your issues, let's talk about the stuff that's going on, rather than small group is not quite like that. Small group is more tailored to how can we address the needs of the brotherhood or the sisterhood? And an outpost that on its own really is geared toward uh, co- uh, conviction creation as a community and community identity, so the entire ministry. So each level that you go down is more tailored toward the individual. And it's, like I said, it's just another uh, method of discipleship, that, but it's one that's super important. And it's often one where really strong uh, relationships are forged. Um, let's see here. To minister to the individual and to help them in their walk with God uh, is the reason that we want to do one-on-ones. So uh, we need to remember, too, when we're ministering to people on a one-on-one setting, that they are spirit, soul, and body. So there's three parts of every person. You have a spirit, you have a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions. You have your body. There's three parts. Um, so, in that one-on-one setting, we need to be asking ourselves, and this is some of the more spiritual side meets practical parts of the one-on-one. There's also a goofing off and messing around inside of the one-on-one that we all love. I hope. But this is more of the practical stuff. So we're we're addressing what does this person need? What do they need spiritually? Do they need inner healing? Do they need more Bible study? Do they need prayer? Do they need wisdom? Do they need correction? What do they need? You can do those things on the one-on-one. If you try to do those things for everybody in a small group, it would take like four hours. But you can do that in a one-on-one setting. So one-on-ones are important for this reason. Um, These relationships also can have some of the most revealing conversations that you have with people. Okay. Some of the, you know, perhaps um, 
things that they still haven't forgiven others for or things that they don't think that God can forgive them for. Oftentimes, it's the one-on-one setting that these things are brought out. And a lot of times, it's not appropriate to bring those things out in a larger context or even in a small group context. But in the one-on-one context, where things are shared just from individual to individual, there needs to be room for people to be able to uh, spill their guts, for lack of another word. Uh, There needs to be room for that in Christian discipleship. The one-on-one is the place where that happens. Obviously, uh, I would say that this probably shouldn't happen in your first one-on-one with somebody. You guys agree with that? Probably shouldn't happen, right? It should happen as trust is developed, as the relationship is developed. Um, this would be appropriate, and really, that's that's part that's on us as leaders to kind of help people uh, take these steps. Of course, if somebody wants to is going through a terrible spot and really wants to spill everything right then and please minister to them. But uh, maybe not right away. So what we're looking for in the one-on-one, I know some of the things that we've just described are kind of like, hey, you're going to develop this pretty close relationship with somebody and it's kind of like between you and them and things like this. And to a large part of that is true. But what we're looking for in in small groups is to create uh, interdependence within the group. Okay, so codependence between one small group member and the leader is is not a healthy thing. If that person, uh, let's say, graduates from college and they're so dependent upon their small group leader for advice and counsel and things like this that they can't function on their own, that then we did our job incorrectly. The purpose of small group leading is to lead our members to this place of interdependence, okay? So one-on-one is a part of that, between you and them. But another part of the small group is that each member begins to relate to rely on the other members as a part of the community, all right? Small group is sort of like a microcosm of the local church. And when we graduate, we're going to be a part of the local church. And we need to understand how to glean things uh, from each other and not just necessarily from the pastor. Does that make sense? A lot of times pastors are looked at as this basically godhead of the local church. That's the wrong way to look at them. They are simply a vessel that's been set there to equip the body of Christ for works of service. So as the body of Christ, we need to understand how to resource and feed ourselves. And part of that is to look to our brothers and sisters that are on the same level as us uh, and, and help them and rely on them for things, okay? So we don't want one-on-ones to, to create codependence. We want them to create interdependence within the group. All right? So in one-on-ones, we can be communicating about this. Like, hey, hey, this sounds like something that the small group at large could help you with. How about you bring that up the next time we get together? And stuff like that. Does that make sense? Um, cool. Next thing we're going to talk about is how to have a one-on-one relationship. But... Questions first. Questions or comments that I think we've covered so far. What are really oddly casual ways to uh, bring up Jesus to somebody who's not necessarily hmm. following them and make it just so blatantly obvious and that they still receive it like well, though? In a one-on-one setting? Yeah, in a one-on-one setting. Not a follower of Jesus. Not a follower of Jesus. Casual way to bring it really likes hanging out with you, though, and, like, understands that where you are, kind of like, 
don't know if I'm going to answer this the way that you want me to, but um, it's important just to develop your relationship in general, and then it's also important to be who you are. And I like to think that me being who I am, Jesus is going to come up pretty quick in the conversation. So the Jesus card's already going to be out there as soon as I've hung out with this guy twice, maybe once. Just like the Sarah Graham and my four kids card is going to already be out there after I hang out with somebody one time, Jesus should too. So I just suggest uh, continue to work on that relationship uh, naturally. Do you like that person? Is there affinity there? And if so, ask whatever questions you would ask a person for that level of relationship that you're having. You know, I, I don't know if there's just specific things you can ask. I think it depends upon what level of relationship you're at and what the Holy Spirit's asking you. Any other questions or thoughts? I'd have a one-on-one. -on -one. First things first, <clears throat> discipleship is a process, not a project. Again, these things are, they, they need to have a hangout, but it's intentional, right? We want to give these people Jesus. However, if they feel like a project, they will never come back, and they will speak bad of you and your religion, right? Have you ever, have you ever been a project to somebody before in any context? It's not cool. I've had, uh, I've had uh, small group guys in my life before as a campus minister. Thank goodness for their honesty and truth. We got together, um, and I was like, hey dude, uh, this guy was taking a youth pastor position, he was still a college student. We had had a former relationship that wasn't that great, mostly because of me, and, uh, but we were rekindling our relationship, and I really felt in my heart that the Lord uh, was telling me that this guy needed some discipleship, and I wanted to do that because I really cared about it. But because uh, of the, our past relationship, when I said, hey, hey, dude, um, I really think that like, like purpose weekly discipleship would really help you right now in your life, and I would love to do that for you. Are you interested in something like that? I really said it like that with that tone and everything. He was like, well, Jacob, I felt like a project with you in the past, so I'm going to pass this time. And that was one of the last conversations I ever had with the guy. And that, and that time, when I initiated that conversation, it was, it was completely genuine, heartfelt, truthful. Not only that, but it was something that God revealed to me about this guy that he actually needed. I think all of that was right, but it was just that um, he, he got the vibe that he was a project in the past, and so he was completely out. So how do we, how do we um, treat people with purpose, respect, and love and get them to not feel like a project. It's it's uh, you got to have genuine care for this person. It's a genuine hang on. All right, you're not you're not judging this person and thinking that they need to be farther down the line than they are. You're you're accepting them for what they are, and you're allowing the relationship that you have with God to work through you in such a way that Jesus' love compels you just to love on them, right? And as opportunities for ministry come up. You're, you're taking advantage of those things, but there's a way to do it so that these folks don't feel like a project. If they're a part of your small group community and, and they're enjoying the relationship with you and with others in the small group, they're almost they're almost surely not going to feel like a project. So community is really crucial in this as well. All right.
but just just love on people, receive the folk, the, the students that God gives you, um, enjoy the friendship. One of the things that I tell people that we go out and minister to, like on the plaza, I'm like, hey, hey, listen, actually care about this person. Ask questions that aren't just about your agenda. Ask questions about their life, their family, what they're into, things like this, so that they know that you care. And then get into some of the other stuff, all right? Um, yeah. Do you merely just want them to agree with all of your teaching and opinions, or do you care that they have a personal, intimate walk with Jesus? Is another way to gauge that. Do you just want them to be compliant, or do you want them to have actual commitment? A lot of times, resistance and or even rejection comes before a person can actually truly commit themselves. We don't just want compliance. If you've got a relationship in your life and there's some resistance going on there, say, amen, this is blessed. Because when this person uh, finally commits to Jesus, it's going to be their decision, not because I wanted them to. Right? So just patiently walk with them through these things. It's important to remember that because God does. God, the Bible says that God wishes that none should perish, but all should be saved and come to repentance. So we know that that's God's will. So it's God's will for the people that we meet to. God wants them to be saved and be discipled more than you want them to. So just, just rest in that and take it one step at a time. All right, so how do I invite somebody to a one-on-one? Uh, in simple terms, do it and do it quickly. Okay? So in college in general, as you know, we're dealing with a short window of time to develop a relationship and then disciple people, get them to know Jesus and prepare them for the real life, right? So take advantage of the opportunities that are presented to us. When you meet somebody, let's, let's think welcome week, or let's think, perfect example, all right? Juana and Kinley and I uh, met this guy on campus last, last week. His name is Jake. He professes to be a Christian, but during the course of our uh, conversation, he basically just talked about having fun in Colorado for the past three years. And so I was like, hey, man, can I challenge you with something? Uh, it sounds a lot like you're just living for whatever you want to do uh, and not really for what God wants to do at all. And then there was a couple more things that we said when we left. He just texted me today. He was like, hey, I'm that guy that you met on campus. Uh, I do want to connect with you. Can we meet up sometime? That's awesome. So that's really cool for one thing. But number two is this. I need to jump on that text and do something with them. That's what I'm talking about. So have a, that'll be a one-on-one. Have a one-on-one and do it quickly. Don't, don't let opportunities pass you by. We're, so, we're in such a fast-paced world, and we all are so busy that our intentions and even the people's intention during that moment when you first meet them, even if it's genuine, five days later in the life of a college student is like three years. Right? So much stuff happens that we need to jump on those opportunities. Okay. So have a one-on-one, do it quickly. And, and this is super crucial, write this down if you're taking notes. Always have a plan for the next step. So when I hang out with this dude, I'm gonna have a plan. He's not gonna feel like a project because I've already talked about all of his interests. I care, like he's into the outdoors, I'm into the outdoors. He's from Arkansas. I live in Kentucky, so we've got that thing going on, the hillbilly thing. So we've, already, we've already got like a connection going on. 
but uh, I'm gonna have a plan. And probably my plan with him is uh, either introducing him to some of you or you know, inviting him to Outpost. He, the first thing, one of the first things that he said, the reason I'm saying Outpost right away is because one of the first things that he said was he asked about a large group service. So I'm just gonna go with what he's interested in and see where that goes. But get, get this, his relationship with me is the first step. We'll see what happens after that. Okay, so we're gonna get together. It's gonna be great. Um, the first 24 hours after meeting somebody is the most crucial. The first time you meet somebody, try to get them to hang out with you within 24 hours. If it's not a one-on-one in a group setting, the group setting can be just as good, really. It can be, it can be better, maybe. Um, but, ha but have something planned when you're in that one-on-one -on -one that you're gonna invite them to next, okay? Um, having a growing list of places to hang out, things to do, just a personal list on your phone is probably a good idea. Um, my note here just says, do not call the one-on-one -on -one at this. Right, we already discussed that. Uh, during the one-on-one, -on -one, use discernment. Here's something uh, cool to think about. Relationship itself is not a one-on-one, -on -one, but it has a one-on-one. -on -one. Just like small group isn't a weekly meeting, but it has a weekly meeting. Your relationship with this person, whoever that is, is not a one-on-one, -on -one, but it surely has a one-on-one, -on -one. okay? So um, again, small group is a community of people leaning on each other in pursuit of Christ which means life on life. It means having purpose to your friendship. One-on-ones uh, don't emphasize brotherhood well, but they do emphasize responsibility and Devo life well. Yeah? What's discernment? Discernment, yes, good, good question. Discernment is, uh, spiritually speaking, it's uh, doing your best to be in tune with what God is leading you to do in that conversation. So you said during one-on-one use discernment. Can you yeah. like rephrase that? Sure. Let me see what I'm saying here. Yeah, it's just that. So even after you've got a relationship with somebody that you've been meeting with regularly, just even if they're a committed follower of Jesus, when you're in that one-on-one -on -one setting, uh, use discernment for what the next step is. Pay attention to the leading of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you for where you need to lead that conversation during the small group and even afterwards. Uh, you know, naturally speaking, even to yourself, I mean, just, just, just be smart, be thinking about where is this going, be purposeful about it. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Alright, so some examples of using discernment are these. Is this person a believer? If so, uh, how should I bring up their walk with God? And this kind of is sort of like what Ben's question was. How, how do we do these things? Well, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, there's no cut and dry necessarily answers that I'm going to give today other than use discernment. Uh, is this person a non-believer? If so, how can I get them connected to my small group and the larger community? How can I schedule a regular time to get to know them? So you're thinking about these things while you're hanging out with them. 
And uh, it's also important for us to remember Acts 1.8, which says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, uh, you know, it's not God's intention. It's not the Lord's intention that we try to figure out all this out on our own. It's really important that we be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do these things. And at, actually, at LTC Retreat, we'll talk about um, Holy Spirit empowerment. It's going to be really cool. So look forward to that. Um, okay. So now we're going to get into some specifics, right? Here's some specifics on, of one-on-ones with a believer. We still need to be intentional, but come with questions. As their leader, come with questions for them, right? Be thinking about where, what you know of their relationship with God and where they need to go. More than that, be praying about these things. Hey, hey Lord, where is this person at? Where do they need to go? And then just listen and come with questions that will, that will provoke them to, to thinking along the same lines. Um, growth in people <coughs> occurs best when they figure out what they need to grow in rather than having you tell them. So when you come with good questions to ask them to get them thinking about the areas that they need to grow in, they will partially think that they came up with that themselves and embrace and embrace the opportunity to change rather than just think that they're a project. Does that make sense? So they come with questions rather than directives. Uh, be, be prepared. This goes... I think this, this applies to all aspects of our life, definitely to one-on-ones and small groups too. But uh, people uh, can sense when you're prepared, generally, and they can sense when you're not prepared, generally. And people generally feel more cared about when they feel like you're prepared, generally. So uh, even though our uh, ministry is kind of a Holy Spirit ministry, and uh, I don't know that anybody that I'm thinking of acts in this way, but you can be like, hey, man, the Holy Spirit's got this. I'm just going to use discernment the whole time. I don't need to plan. I'm just going to show up, and everything's going to be awesome. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. The Lord himself is a planner, right? God is the most supernatural of us all. But he, he has a plan for our lives, but he takes one step at a time. And so if the Lord himself is that way, we should, we should operate the same way. We should be thinking about a plan for these guys. Prayerfully, of course, but have a plan. Be prepared. <clears throat> we so we're talking about a believer. So come with questions. Be prepared. When do I invite them to smarter? So this is this is how you just met this person. When do you invite them smarter? Uh, sometimes it can be immediately, depending upon the individual. If you sense that this person is like, you know likes church, likes hanging out, got a lot of time. And when you, if you mention small group, hey, I leave this small group, but they're like, oh yeah, really? What does that mean? Invite them. <laughs> Invite them to small group. Um, <coughs> don't wait too long, though, with a Christian. Because Christians in that category are going to be looking for a place to get involved, right? So why not, why not get them involved in the outpost? Why not get them involved in your life? Uh, Think about it like this, right? The purpose of uh, <clears throat> discipleship, or one of the 
the true gauges of discipleship is when the disciple makes another disciple, right? So I would suggest, even in your mind, recruiting for those that you can see have the potential to make disciples. Does that make sense? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Ask God for people that are smart and popular, maybe, funny, have good people skills, people that people want to be around that are also Christians, that also don't have community. God, send those people my way. I, I encourage you to pray those prayers starting tonight for your next month. God, send me people that can make disciples. All right? So be looking for these people. Recruit for these people in your minds. Um, yeah, and, and after your after your first one-on-one with the Christian, uh, ask them to come to small group or uh, at least to hang out with you, maybe get dinner with you before coming to Outpost, something like that. So have have something in mind to invite them to, and then and then do it. Um, so the pro- the progression with the person that's a believer throughout the year, these meetings should get um, you know more deeper more intense in their questions and in their content, right? Take them, take them on a journey. And I think the Holy Spirit will help you do that. Take them on a journey. If they're a Christian, let's, let's help stretch them. A good question to ask them is, hey, hey, what do you feel like, what do you feel like are your strengths? Right? What do you feel like are your weaknesses? And then start working purposely on those weaknesses. Maybe they have a super legit relationship with God that they're super shy. Unfortunately, maybe for them, it's time to get them out of their comfort zone. Right? Because, like we already said, to be a leader, we need to be those people that sacrifice into initiating friendships and initiating conversations. People are not going to be coming to us. We need to come to them. Okay, so take your take your people on this journey. <clears throat> The beginning of your relationship with them is mostly get to know you and really just seeing where they're at and walk with God and evaluating what they need. But after a few weeks or months, depending on the person, you can progress deeper and harder questions or even regular Bible study with them or teaching, prayer, stuff like this, okay? How about, actually let me mention this real quick as well. Um, it's, it's, cool. it's cool to have two-on-ones, right? It's cool to have three-on-ones if you've got a bunch of people in your small group. Man, think about people that this, this guy or gal can really glean a lot from and then just meet together with them. It's not, this is not formulaic. It's living life together. So do whatever you need to do to get this person to grow in the relationship with Jesus. How about if the person that you're having a one-on-one with or considering having a one-on-one with is not a believer? Still be intentional. Still come with questions. They're just going to be different questions. Okay, be prepared. Uh, I would suggest, uh, unlike maybe uh, a mature Christian that you've met, uh, don't always be talking about their thoughts of God. What are your thoughts of God? What has God been doing in your life? I mean, they're not going to understand that, obviously. Uh, but uh, God needs to be a part of your conversation. That makes sense, right? Remember I said, if, if you're a believer, then Jesus is going to come out. If I'm married and I love my wife, then her name's going to come out. Be yourself. Um, 
but don't overwhelm them with dogma and doctrine. Okay, at least at first. Um, also, another cool thing that you can do uh, when preparing to interact with a non-believer is, is educate yourself, read. <coughs> Maybe they're interested in something that you know nothing about. Man, find out, find out some stuff about it and then have a conversation with them about something that they're into, right? Be, be, into, be into some things that you can have a conversation with them about, right? If, uh, well, I'm not gonna use that, but find common ground. Have a relationship with this person. The progression of this person that you're in a relationship with having one-on-ones with that's not a believer. So you want your conversation to go from superficial to heart issues as the semester progresses. Does that make sense? From superficial to heart issues. Uh, they live on the superficial level, unfortunately. Right? So they're going to be somewhat uncomfortable with heart issue stuff as you get going. But, but in any relationship, uh, as trust is developed, people are more willing to go deeper in the things that they reveal to you. So just realize that and know, again, this is not just a random casual peer relationship. You're intentional about it. So you, you're going to be looking for opportunities to bring up hard stuff. Does that make sense? With the non-believer, you're looking for opportunities. With the believer that you're in one-on-one relationship with, you're bringing up hard stuff because he's already in there. But with a non-believer, you're looking for opportunities. Okay. Um, Get them around other people as much as possible too. This is this is not this is your responsibility, but you getting them saved is not your responsibility. It's Jesus' responsibility. And guess who helps you with that? The community. Their small group, your friends, outpost as a whole, staff members. We we all play a part in getting these people introduced to Jesus. Okay, so remember that this is not your your thing that you gotta get an A on. This is a relation. That's that's project thinking. Our our thinking should be: uh, I care about this person, and sure, we hang out one on ones. But but listen, I can't do this on my own. So let's get the community involved. Get the community involved as often as possible. You want the person to see the love of Christ lived out. That's gonna say way more to them than you know discussion and definitely argument ever will. You want to see the love of Christ lived out. They may even be seeing that through you, but once they start seeing that in two people, and then four people, and then 20 people, and then 100 people, that makes a huge difference. They're like, oh my gosh, this crazy dude is not just the only one that actually likes me for no reason. Everybody does. What's, what's wrong with all these people? You know what I'm saying? Get the community involved. If the time is right, uh, this can be determined by their own attitude towards God. Uh, invite them to have their own walk in Christ. I mean, that, so, <clears throat> so yes, you know, remember, we're looking for opportunities in this person that doesn't know Jesus. We're looking for opportunities to, to speak to their heart and to ask them questions where they start thinking about their heart as their trust in us develops. But, but surely, as well, I mean, our, our purpose here. Uh, as Christians, is to make disciples. First step in discipleship is them giving their life to Christ, right? And if you've got that one-on-one relationship with them, you're one of the perfect people to bring that up. Don't miss that opportunity. Be praying for that opportunity. 
another quick thought here. In the Christian section, in one-on-ones with Christian sections, I told you to recruit for people that you think would make good disciple makers. Uh, do that with non-Christians too. Recruit for people that you think would make good disciple makers. If you know somebody that's not a Christian, but they obviously lead other people, go after that person. Try to have a relationship with that person. Initiate that relationship with that person. Right? Remember, Jesus is the one that transforms people's lives, but he needs a vessel to work through, and we are that vessel. We just provide people with the opportunity, and then it's up to them whether they want to respond or not. But shame on us if we don't give them the opportunity. So let's recruit for people that we can see making a tremendous impact on the kingdom. And let then let's recruit for people that God loves. And guess who that is? Everybody. But let's be strategic as well. Uh, a couple last thoughts here. Um, you're going to meet people that have a lot of different personalities. And um, interestingly, maybe don't be surprised if God sends at least one your way that like grabs on you and won't let go. That you maybe don't click with, or your personality is a little different, and you have to learn. God forbid we have to learn while we're doing this, but you probably will. Right? So, how do we deal with different personalities and meeting styles? A, be flexible, adjust to the person. Remember, we're in the sacrificial role. They're in the one that's receiving. We're going to teach them to be sacrificial like us, but we're the one that needs to give. So if you don't like their personality, pray about it. Ask God to forgive you, and then begin to love them anyway. Right? Be, be adaptable, be flexible. If you're a spontaneous person, you, you might need to adjust um, with some people that need more structure. If you're a structured person, you might need to adjust to people that need more spontaneity, right? And here's a good way to do that. Find your brothers or your sisters in this community that are the way that you need to be for that person and hang out with them and ask them what they do. Right? Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Just observe from your brothers and sisters in Christ that are already in love with God. Hey, how can I be more spontaneous? How can I, how can I be more structured? Um, spend time with people that are that way and uh, integrate that into your relationship with the person you're reaching out to. Awesome. Okay, now uh, we're done. So what, what questions or comments you got about those things? Anything? Yeah. For you, what's the hardest thing about one-on-ones? What's the hardest thing about one-on-ones? Um, first, I will just say that I really like one-on-ones. So I'll try to push it something. Um, okay, I think it's this, definitely. What, what do I talk about this time? Right? So, <clears throat> we, um, we, we emphasize several points of contact a week with, with each of the person in our smart group. One of them is a one-on-one, okay? We want you to have weekly one-on-ones with these people, if at all possible. And that's where uh, just coming up with good questions and prayer comes in. And I would say, um, again, one-on-one -on -one and smarter leading is a lifestyle. So don't be afraid to spice it up, okay? Do something completely random. Come up, you know, come together and um, 
I think it's okay at times to decide together what you're going to do that day. Uh, it is good to be prepared, so if at all possible, have a plan of what you're going to do, but, but ask other small group uh, leaders in your resource what they've done. Ask other people different ideas, and probably I would suggest prepare a couple weeks in advance what you want the next one to be like and do that so that you don't have to come up with it every week at a time. But, but don't be afraid to try new things. And if you're one-on-one, -on -one, sometimes it's simply you both just experiencing something that you never have experienced before. That'll make a memory and that'll be awesome. Okay. During those times, though, just be, uh, again, just, just be conscious of the fact that you're looking for opportunities to share with them. Yeah. Any other thoughts or questions? Sweet. Uh, I think five minute break is in order. Go for it. Sunday nights. Uh, you guys have gotten through that part. So awesome. The second part is the LTC retreats that will be this coming weekend. It will be Friday. It will be Friday. Um, we are going to be in Estes Park uh, at 530 uh, is when we are trying to get everybody there. If you need a ride or public transportation, talk to your cohort leader uh, before you leave here today or just sometime this week um, and we will coordinate logistics for you. Um, but you're welcome to just drive up yourselves um, or with each other. Uh, it will, uh, I don't think the pass is open right now, correct? So 34. So you'll have to go around um, through lines. But 530, um, on Friday, we will, yes? Is that be there at 5.30? Be there at 5.30, yep, be there at 5.30 on Friday. We will do, we will buy all the meals there, we will provide dinner there as soon as you get there, that kind of thing. Um, we will be done around 3.30 the next day in Essex, heading down about that time. So, things you need to bring, bring something to take notes, bring your Bible, bring, um, Bring a sleeping pad and a sleeping bag. If you don't have those, and just talk around. We have lots of them. I will bring extras. Um, but but uh, sleeping bags, sleeping pads. Uh, we will just be in a church there in Estes Park and and uh, sleeping on the floors there. Cots and things like that. I'll have some cots with me. Uh, but uh, we'll have a, a great time. It's it's a lot of fun. And I always look forward to the LPC retreat. This. Anyone have any logistical questions? Yes. How much does it cost? Nothing. It costs you your life because of yes. the last round. Yes. Um, 
Any other, any other questions? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I heard about that talk. Who was, if you talked to Illy, were you at truck party with that? <laughs> no. What time? What? I mean, I, I, I don't think we assigned him anyone, but I mean, I figured it. I don't know. I just asked the group if somebody could figure out exactly when they need to leave. And, um, So, okay, it's okay. Who, yeah, who is needing to leave early? It's you two. What time are you guys needing to leave early? I need to be back in Fort Collins by 3 p.m. at the latest. Oh, no. see, I need to be here at 5. Oh, like, you're fine. You're fine. You don't have to leave. Oh, I thought you Yeah. You're, you're fine, um, depending on, yeah, we'll make sure <laughs> somebody leaves timely for that one. Um, yours, um, yeah, that was the question. Do you have a driver's license? I do have a driver's license. I just don't have a car. Okay. We will coordinate. That something. was what we were talking about. Yep. That's why I asked you to ask her. That's why I asked you to ask her. That was really good. Okay, okay. So, um, we will coordinate something. You may drive my car home. We'll, we'll figure something out. So just get yourself out there. Just, just get yourself up there, and uh, we'll figure something out for you. I know you've got something going on, and, and I, I get it. So, um, okay. After this, the last thing we're going to do on on Saturday is we will do an LTC test. So, so just be ready to take that test. It's nothing. We're not looking to do anything like scary or anything like that. It's uh, yes, there is a fail. You can fail this, but. Um, basically, you can pay attention. You need. You need. So I would. I would tell you you need to have listened to any audio files from classes you have missed and send me your paragraph in an email uh, before the period. So if you've missed any classes, oh, speaking of, that was the other thing I was going to have you do. Um, could could somebody just pass around a piece of paper with the dates? Have you signed? <laughs> Thank you. After um, next week, after the LTC retreat, uh, at the LTC retreat, if uh, if you are wanting, well, it's a your case, I guess, but if you're wanting to uh, apply for leadership, basically the next step will just be we will have an exit interview. So after LTC retreat, that next week. Uh, I'll just be coordinating interviews, sort of like our entrance interview. We'll just be meeting you and me and your small group leader, and we'll just kind of talk through how are things going, how's your Evo life, how's the, your connection to the community, um, and how's are you ready for responsibility? So, um, and we'll go into that. So, I want to talk for the last little bit of our class. Anything else? You know, last final logistics people thought of. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you miss a date, but you don't know what date it is, is there any way to? Yes. I send me. Connect with me when I can get my media off this, and I can look you up on, on when you miss that date. Okay. Um, let's talk through our three core values of our ministry: is brotherhood, responsibility, and devo life. 
And these, these three really, everything kind of revolves around this. Now, there's different ways of articulating the ministry. We've told you different ways. Basically, our whole methodology is oriented around trying to get you guys um, to be effective disciple makers. Our whole vision, our whole purpose of ministry is to help you be as effective as we can to help you reach your potential in the kingdom of God to be an effective disciple maker on your campus. So we think if we do that, then the other things you know, that are also good, like actually reaching the campus, will be a natural byproduct of helping you be effective at being a disciple maker yourself. But there's to expect that is to is is to also, you know, first and foremost, as a foundational premise of that concept is to think that you have a walk with the Lord. <laughs> if you're gonna be a disciple maker yourself, you need to actually have that walk with the Lord. And you need community, you need people alongside of you helping and pushing you in that place. We say we are an army and we are a family. And both are important. So I want to just look at a few of those here today a little more in depth for a few minutes. And let's look at our three core values. One, brotherhood, and we've talked about this, I'm not going to go into super in depth, but it's just brotherhood, sisterhood. It's the idea that there is a kingdom connection that we have with each other. We are family. We are part of the body of Christ. And as we are learning in our community to emulate the relationship God has within himself, within the Trinity, we are also beginning to express a deeper sense of connection, intimacy, and uh, we just kind of define that as brotherhood. Uh, personal walk with God, right? It can't be something vicarious. It can't be something that is your parents or your communities or <coughs> anything else. It needs to be something that is yours. It can't just be a belief system, something you subscribe to, like uh, I believe in, I don't know, what's something, you know, I believe that Bigfoot exists. Okay, that's kind of silly, but irrelevant. It doesn't matter. What does that have to do with my life? I don't actually believe that, but I'm just saying something silly. <laughs> like, if, it's, if your walk with God is that, then what point is it? If it's just, hey, yes, I believe that God is real, um, but he has no relevance in my life. That's why we talk about lordship so much in the outpost. Um, we need to have a walk with the Lord that is a real relationship with him. And then responsibility, that we need to join in his ministry in the world, that we are partnering together in this work, that God, from the very beginning, gave humanity work. He said, this is what I want to see happen in the world. Now partner with me in this work. We're going to do this together. We're better together than apart. God could do this without you, but he will not do this without you. You are his A strategy, his A plan. This is how the world will be reached. This is how CSU will be reached because you take responsibility for your world and minister to that world. We will see the world come to know Christ. Now, if we have two of them, uh, but not three, we find we get in trouble. If we have brotherhood and a personal walk with God, we become a holy huddle. Read the Old Testament. Israel, we are better than all of you because we have a walk with God. Do they have a walk with God? Actually, yeah, kind of. Uh, most of the time, some, well, some of the time they did, but they believed in the right God. They knew him. They even had the fellowship of believers. They had, you know, we are all sons of Abraham, right? That whole thing. They are a holy huddle. It was unhealthy. 
They had responsibility in a personal walk with God. You get Elijah. Read his story. He had incredible responsibility. He cast down fire on people. That's kind of well on an you know, altar. But he <laughs> not on people. That was the disciples. They were like, can we do can we do that? Um, <laughs> how many small group leaders at times were like, can I just no? Okay. Um, personal walk with God. And you know, he has a real walk with God. But he doesn't have brotherhood. What does he say after he does the most powerful signs Israel has seen in their generation? I am the only one. I'm lonely. God, I want to die. Why? Because he had responsibility. Because he had responsibility. He had a personal walk with God, but he did not have the community. And even in that, it wasn't enough. We have brotherhood and responsibility. Guess what? We become the Pharisees. Dun dun dun. Every, every. You know, all of Christianity's uh, evil um, example. The Pharisees. Why? Because they did. They did have a brother. Hey, we are sons of Abraham. And they had a responsibility. My goodness. They really knew what it was like to take on the responsibility of the law, the Torah. They were faithful at it. Very faithful at it. In fact, they had this belief, kind of interesting side note, they had this belief that if they just got Israel to be holy, to be blameless, if they could just get Israel to obey the law perfectly for one day, they thought the Messiah would come. They could just get him to do it for one day, Messiah would come. That was their whole ambition. It was all about responsibility at some level and brotherhood, but they did not have a walk with God. What did Jesus accuse them of? You are a whitewashed tomb, you people. You do not have a walk with God. You look good, but you do not love him. We need all three. Um... When we have, sorry, let me get try. I got ahead of my notes here. Um, brotherhood influences the other two in that our evil life is influenced because of brotherhood. I remember Duncan talking about he hated reading, he hated thinking about, like, reading deeply about anything, and he thought reading about God would sound really boring. But then he got into this community that loved. A mind in love with God. And all of a sudden, he suddenly realized, I need to read because I need something to talk about. Because these guys, uh, they call it serve and return with parents. Like, what you respond to, right, is like the funny thing. I remember parents, like, I'm not laughing at this ridiculous thing my child <coughs> 50 times in the last, you know, 30 minutes. Right? So, but what you, what as a community, you honor, what you return, what you elevate, they are going to repeat. And Duncan realized the community was not elevating the silly, ridiculous things that he was serving to the community. And so he found he needed to have a mind in love with God because that's what they elevated. Right? If it affects your responsibility because probably the most powerful way you're going to see people come to the Lord, empowered by the Holy Spirit, led by your walk in, with the Lord in your personal walk, but your community. It's going to be your community who are going to see people come to the Lord. It's when people come into the community and feel the love of the brotherhood that your responsibility to see the world reach and to see the world grow up and mature in their faith is actually going to happen. If you try to take responsibility without brotherhood, you will not get very far in my experience. Your personal walk with God influences the other two because it influences brotherhood. C.S. Lewis says no one just wants a friend, right? No one just wants a friend. There needs, there, we need, we long for this deep sense of, of purpose. So talking about responsibility, my personal walk with God grows 
because I need my relationship with God to be about something. And it's certainly about him. He in and of himself is enough. But my personal walk with God, out of that flows my sense of, of priority, my sense of, of ministry. Of course, with God, we find that we suddenly can do things because, I mean, just talk about supernatural for the sake of example. I mean, somebody said, you know, they saw somebody healing, you know, praying for somebody that got healed, right, and they partnered, right? That, that kind of walk with the Lord affects our responsibility that way. The personal walk with God affects our brotherhood because he is the source that we are trying to emulate in our community. Okay. Um, thirdly, responsibility. Uh, and I, I'm kind of I, maybe reiterating this a little bit, but the brotherhood is affected because of responsibility. We say it this way sometimes, over my dead body, you're going to live a stupid life. Right? Over my dead body, you're going to live a stupid life. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight for that deep sense of relationship and connection. That I'm not satisfied with just where you are with God and where you are with me. That I'm going to keep pushing that relationship. Not in a systematic sort of way. I mean, systematic might be an approach to this, but it's not an organizational strategy. It's a relational mandate. It's a relational longing to say, I want you to have this relationship with God, and I want to be part of that relationship, of that relationship with God in my life. That our responsibility pushes our brotherhood into meaningfulness. And in a personal walk with God, I'll find, I found uh, my walk with God grew exponentially as I took responsibility. A whole new level for me. You know, it's, it's a stereotypical thing a parent says when they, you know, the first time they have a doctor give them the kid or the nurse gives them their first kids and say, you know, good luck, have a great life. And kind of like, a, oh, what did I get myself into? Um, <laughs> because this kid is like dependent on you. But there's something about that that grows you up. There's something about holding that child, realizing this child's life is in your hands and saying, I have to grow up because this kid needs me. And the joy that comes out of that, certainly the sacrifice, but more than that, sacrifice with meaning that's purposeful, that's significant. That as I take out responsibility, I learn to, that I'm not enough and I depend on God in a way that I would never depend on God if it was just about me. Because I'm now leaning on him and saying, God, I don't have what this person needs. I don't have, you know, there's so many times in my ministry over the years with students where I've come to these moments to say, God, I don't have enough. I don't, I'm not the right person. And God, every time just would respond, what does that matter? God, I, I, you know, I'm going to go into the crazy stuff. You know, I had somebody had cast a demon out of a guy. I've never done that before. I'm like, God, I, I don't know what I'm doing. God said, I'm not, I'm not the guy. God said, well, what does that have to do with anything? I can deal with this. Willing to obey, right? First time I walked with a guy who was wrestling with with deep sin in his life. I'm like, God, I've never dealt with this kind of sin in my in his life in my life before. I don't know how to walk with him through this sin. And God said, It doesn't matter. What does that matter? I don't know, right? So our responsibility grows us up as we learn to lean on Him in a new way, and in that we grow in our walk with the Lord. Okay. Um, this is the sweet spot. This is where we're trying to get. When, when we've got the interplay of this, this is where a real transformative community starts to express itself. And, and this is where you know, we are 
we're creating that community. We are modeling this, uh, this trio um, as best as we can with our guys, our gals. And we realize, like, man, I am not, I am not capable. I am not enough. And that's okay. That's a good place to be. People, oftentimes, people are like full of uncertainty or awareness of their sense of inadequacy uh, in LTC. And, and guess what? I have done this for years. I've done ministry for years. It, you know, like, well, I'm not extroverted. Doesn't matter. You have the character. I'm not, uh, I don't have as, not, as much biblical literacy as I should or as other people may. Doesn't matter. You have a walk with the Lord. You love him. You know, I don't, I don't know if I, you know, I don't know how to pursue people. I don't have the time. Well, God is calling you to, to minister to your world. Are you willing to let him in? You know, not, there's never been an excuse that I've, I've heard or seen that had anything really to do with you. I've, I've had incredible soldier leaders who were every personality type and, you know, gifting set or not. We, it's not about those things. It's about, we love God. Do we love people? Are we willing to let God's love flow through us? Are we willing to make that space? None of the other things, you know, God will use your strengths if you submit them to you. You know what? I find sometimes it's the strengths that I'm most scared of with leaders. Like, oh, no, man, this guy is, he's got too many talents already. It's going to be a long journey for him. I'm most worried about those guys because they have to learn how to surrender those things to the Lord. But that's sometimes the harder thing. Than learning to surrender our weaknesses. If you feel, hey, no, if I'm up for this, good. Guess <coughs> what? You're not. So embrace that and say, God, I'm not enough to transform this campus. I'm not enough to transform my world, but you are. And so I'm going to lean on you. And that's where you really find that you're able to walk this out with people. And Acts 2. 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe as of many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who needs. Who had need every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There you see the transformative community. There you see the combo of the three. They've got the apostles' teachings, right? They've got responsibility. The apostles are out there fighting for Jerusalem, for Israel, for their people. And they have this incredible brotherhood. Everyone who has need is being taken care of. They're living together, basically. You know, they're breaking bread daily in their homes. They're going to the temple courts to worship God. They've got this walk with the Lord. Praising God, going to the temple every day, praising Him, and, and you know, glad and sincere hearts. And we see those three things filled the early church. And it was out of that triad that people were being saved. All right, let me ask you this question. We're going to do this real quick. Look over this. This is just for you. Tell me, well, Again, just for you. But tell me, what is your weak spot? Everybody's going to have one. You're going to have strength, 
And you're going to have a weakness, at least in contrast to the others. What is, what is your core strength? What is your core weakness in our three core values? Is it, man, I've got to walk with God. I love that, but I don't know how to talk to somebody. I keep just, I get terrified to try to talk to somebody. Maybe, you know, maybe responsibility is your weak spot. Maybe, like, hey, I have no problem, man. These assignments have been a breeze. This is nothing. But brotherhood, sisterhood, I just, you know, I'm just not there. I'm not into the group. Okay, whatever it is, look through this. Assess. Maybe you don't even have to look through this. This is just a practical way to like kind of answer that question a little bit. Um, but look through that. Think through that. What is your weak spot? In an email that I sent to you a little bit ago, you're going to have those three links to videos. I want you to watch the link connected to your weakness. And just for the sake of like time, because we're not going to get into time for all three of these, I just want to give you a little bit more in-depth, a uh, few thoughts just in-depth on, on this area where you were at. So go ahead, uh, watch that, and we'll wrap up our time with the last few thoughts. So beers out of your phone out or whatever um, and watch <coughs> that video what's that how long ago did you email it uh eight o'clock eight o three yeah it probably was to you though that's true i got mine at I've got a couple of sets of headphones that people want headphones to. You can listen to them now, but. Uh, Does anyone want a headset? Headphones? It's so weird hearing my voice all over the room. <laughs> Now you know what it's like to listen to you. It's, yeah, I, it's yeah. always there. Oh, I, yeah. Worst part of my week is when I have to listen to my sermon from the week before. Oh, okay. I subbed. Huh? I subbed. Yeah. Subscribed. <laughs> nice, yeah. I'm digging the vlogs. You're digging the what? I'm digging the vlogs. Yeah, every video of this is like that. <laughs> Walking on campus.
Should be wrapping up pretty close to there. You guys, um, I'll kind of just I'll just kind of finish with this these these thoughts here. But basically, you guys, we all have areas where we are naturally going to be strong from our experience or history. Uh, we're also going to all have areas where we're, we're growing more. And the thing, the thing I want to challenge you guys with is learn to step out in little ways in your weakness. Learn to step out. Because what we're talking about here, um, you know, responsibility, personal walk with God, brotherhood, sisterhood, these are, these are areas really more of character than they are of any kind of talent or ability or strength. And we always want the Holy Spirit to stretch us in that. So if you're, if you're weak in your walk with the Lord, guess what? You're about to go into summertime. Um, you're probably going to have more time. Step out. Find some practical steps. Talk to your small group leader. Have some accountability. Have a strategy. Have a plan. What are you going to do to step out in your walk with the Lord? During the season, and responsibility, do little things. Of course, we're you know that's the thrust of what LTC is. But when we're done here, you know maybe you take on a little step. I'm gonna pray for somebody you know, today. You know, one of our goals for you guys, kind of in a broad sense, is like every day have a kingdom connection. We've been talking about that. You know, like every day draw somebody closer to you and or to your God. You know, every day, if you do that on a regular rhythmic basis. You won't be that guy who shows up right after New Year's and like you know, works really hard at the gym for like two weeks and then never does anything else ever again. Right? You're not strong. You never get strong doing that. You have to find a rhythm that is consistent, part of your life. And when you do that, you find you always go further. Brotherhood and sisterhood, man, take advantage of the communities. Talk to somebody that you've never talked to at large group this week. Yep. Strike up a conversation with somebody in your small group, or take them out to lunch sometimes this week that uh, you don't know as well. Take the steps to grow you in your in your weak spots because as you step out, God steps in and He does powerful things. Okay, guys, that is it. Uh, we're gonna wrap up there, and we will see you this week. We will see you this weekend. If you, this is it. So. Congratulations, you guys have gone through uh, Sunday night. Way to go. Way to go. We'll get through that. We'll get through this weekend, and it'll, it's going to be awesome.